Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. <laughs> and you thought the offseason was going to be boring, didn't you? Summer League is now over for the Phoenix Suns, and gee golly, it's been a couple months since we've even played real basketball, but here we are on the 17th of July, and there's still plenty to talk about on the Suns Jam Session podcast. Matt Ishbia is making moves. He's putting the, the Phoenix Suns on local television so every bar and hotel in the entire city can play them and you can actually go to a bar and when you ask for the suns game they actually can get it no blackouts the team is making moves they're sending out players they're bringing players in there's just a lot still to talk about as it pertains to the phoenix suns so now that we've hit summer in full stride just a programming note for all of you out there who are either watching along live or watching at a later time or listening on the podcast feed Matthew and I will be coming to you live every Monday night, 9 p.m. This time slot, this day, once a week. That's what we're doing. There's no post-game pods anymore to do. So that's what we'll be doing moving forward. Monday nights, 9 p.m. Arizona time, you will get the Suns Jam Session podcast. That way we'll have more to talk about or maybe less to talk about because you know July, <laughs> August. Ugh. So that's the game plan. Now, that being said, Matthew Matthew couldn't make it. Matthew, again, busy guy, living his life, doing doing his stuff. At pursuing his dreams, but that's okay because I am joined from the He's on Fire's podcast, none other than Jay Joyce. I'm clicking the button. It's not, there we go. What up, Jay Joyce? How we doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, thank you, John, for having me back on after popping my cherry a couple months ago. I'm back for seconds. Hit it, yeah. So I'm back. <laughs> Just remember, don't fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that we're both, for some reason, wearing Kevin Durant shirts. You know, you got that old Nike dry fit. I got like the KD, uh, whatever, statement edition kind of look. Thing. It's interesting. Like, we did not call each other before. Hey, man, what's up? Jay, what are you wearing? <laughs> you some KD stuff? No, none of that. Just it's pure luck. And, and we're not talking about Kevin Durant at all in this podcast. So yeah. this is his one chance. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on how, how are you doing man i'm doing all right you know just going through the motions uh working outside is a pain in the ass right now so oh, god you work outside yeah i do pest control so uh oh. i like I, i'm outside 99 percent of the day and yeah god the, bless you yeah so i'm waiting for this monsoon to kick in just just so i have some water on my face so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's so what was today like the 18th consecutive day over 110 degrees which yeah. is tie ties the record from 1974 and we'll, we'll we will break that tomorrow and i can empathize with you i worked outside for 15 consecutive years i worked in the hotel industry and at mm -hmm. all my jobs i was a bellman outside i managed the pool experience outside and for the i think this is second summer where it's like I'm inside and it's amazing. I got to tell you this air conditioning thing all day long. I'm like, whoa. I, I And my wife makes fun of me because she's like, you used to be so much more resilient when it came to the heat. Now you complain about it all the time. After you're out there, like when it's 117 every day, you're just like, yeah, okay. You, I mean, good, better, and different. You kind of get used to it. It's yeah. just shitty. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, the the topper is is like the summer started kind of late. It started like like late June ish, and then it just fucking uh, punched us all in the face with the humidity. So it, it, it sucks right now. I know. Yeah, J June was chill, and then it's like okay because we gave you a chill June, just fucking 118 every day, just crank that fucker <laughs> up. Ugh. It's not fair, man. It's not fair. Well, again, thank you for joining us on the Sun Jam Session podcast. Uh, can you let everybody know where they can follow you? Uh, and if they want to follow you while you're doing pest control, can you tell them what your normal route is? And maybe they can do that. Too. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter is uh, J Joyce, J A triple Y Joyce on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can follow me there. Mostly sense content. And you can also follow me on the he's on fire podcast. Um, we don't really have a set schedule. So, you know, catch us when you catch us. And then 
pest control. I'm not going to put my company out there like that. Just hit me up and I'll, and I'll put you on the route, whatever. It's like, yo, if you got some scorpions, call up Jay Joyce. He'll spray them little fuckers and I'm, you'll be I'm good. I'm a fucking reaper out here, dude. Yes. <laughs> it's the Grim Reaper is on the pod. Uh, and the Slim Reapers who we're representing. It all is all. It, wow. Just. Mm. Sometimes I, it all it all works out. So uh, again, everybody, you can follow me at Darth Voidy. You can read my writing at brightsideofthesun.com. And you can follow the, the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, and the TikTok. So without further ado, I'm going to pop open a Suns Brew over here. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, you know, Four Peaks Suns Brew. And uh, pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Got a lot to talk about, so let's get to it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. July 17th. There's still plenty to talk about as it relates to the Phoenix Suns. The first thing I wanted to bring up today is the fact that we have a new member of the Phoenix Suns, and his name is Bowl Bowl. Don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, new guy, re- really, really tall guy, right? Uh, what is he like? Seven foot two, uh, has a seven foot eight wingspan. He's just somebody who is is very unique to watch. Uh, and if you go through and you start to watch all of his highlights, everybody gets really excited because the way that they see him operate in transition, uh, the way that they see him, you know, dunk over guys because he's so long, they're just they're they're amazed by some of the ability that this guy has. And I know that he's been a member of the Phoenix Suns uh, for just over twenty four hours now, but he he already gets a drop. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. Bull, bull, motherfucker. Yeah. Bull, <laughs> bull, motherfucker. So, Bull, Bull's a son, Jay. What do you think? Uh, like, we've kind of known about this for, like, the last, like, two weeks. So, it's kind of whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm kind of a fan of Bull, Bull. Uh, I, I kind of root for guys, like, in his caliber with, like, like Taco Fall and stuff like that. You kind of just wish like the best for them and stuff. But I think uh, acquiring uh, Bull Bull is kind of like a low risk, high reward sort of situation. So I didn't really see an issue with acquiring them to begin with. Of course, I would have liked a player in exchange for campaign, but hey, I'll take the draft capital. People have been bitching and moaning about us not having picks from outside the sun sphere. So, mm-hmm. we, so we got a handful of second round picks. And then with us getting Bull Bull, it's a project guy that we can work with. And Bull thinks he is a KD caliber sort of shooter. So uh, now he's playing with KD and maybe he'll listen a little bit, uh, pick up a thing or two. So maybe he can be in a rotation a little down yeah, the line. Yeah, there were some other, uh, other transactions. You referenced a couple of those. And I want to get to those momentarily because I do think that it's valuable. And it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't things that mm-hmm. Suns fans just kind of live with. We don't have any picks. Uh, we just made a trade. And we got some picks. We got we gave up too much. We gave up a pick swap for two. It's just like settle down, everybody. Shit. But when you look at Bowl Bowl, obviously he had his best season last season with the Orlando Magic. Prior to last season, he had played three ga- uh, three years in Denver and played a total of fifty three games and two starts in three seasons. Very injury injury prone. Uh, somebody who just couldn't see himself onto the court. Somebody who didn't necessarily fit into their system. I feel he's although he's seven foot two. He's not a center because of his lack of physicality. He's not a power forward because of his lack of skill, in my opinion. He's somebody who can handle the ball a little bit like a, a guard. And but his shooting is, you know, you know, you mentioned he, he looks up to KD. He's somebody who wants to emulate him and wants to be like him, but he is not KD. I'll tell you that. You look at his career three-point percentage, and it's 29.3%. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> uh, he's a 53% shooter overall. And obviously a lot of that comes on dunks. But when you look at what he did last season with Orlando, he played in 70 games. He started 33 for them. Uh, he had 9.1 points. He ended with 5.5 or 5.8 total rebounds uh, per game. Again, from three twenty six point five. So I'm interested by the, the bowl bowl phenomenon because 
he's so unique looking uh, with his height and his length. Very Victor Wembanyama esque when you see him on the court. You're like, that guy just doesn't look like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But you look at and his YouTube highlights are are amazing. But what you're seeing, obviously, on the YouTube highlights are all the great things that he did and not necessarily all of the things that created frustrations within the fan base. I mean, he played 1500 minutes last year and you're seeing like three minutes of highlights. Right. I think that's something to really take into account. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, he doesn't have potential and there's not opportunity for him on this team. I'm just saying, you know, like buyer beware, right? Like he's definitely the guy who's going to come out. And when the Suns are either blowing the shit out of somebody or getting the shit blown out of them, Bobo's going to get into the, the game and everybody's going to perk up in their seat. and They're going to get a little excited because they want to see him play. But I do think it's a little unfair that when he was traded here, you see what the Bleacher Report puts out there on Twitter and all these different outlets. And it's like KD, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Bull Bowl's in the picture. Like, come on, man. Right? Right. Yeah. It comes off very uh, sarcastic and like just got fucked up. And I think it's mostly because of that Bull World Twitter page. I, I think that's kind of like everyone knows that page. Yes. I wonder how that guy's feeling now with Bull being on the team. But, like, it's just, like, a joke. And if I was Bull, like, I would feel a lot of disrespect from that. Me, personally, I wouldn't take that sort of level of disrespect. Well, and, and but it's what you do with that level of disrespect, right? Exactly. Like, can yeah. he utilize it as a motiv- motivating factor? I think that, again, playing in 70 games for the Magic last year, that was a team that was giving away minutes like Oprah Winfrey because mm-hmm. they're trying to – develop some young players and they have some talented guys. And by the end of the season, he wasn't uh, even playing on the team. He wasn't getting starting minutes. He was playing very sporadically. Essentially he played himself off the court because from a defensive standpoint, he's, he's really not that good from a, he's, he's like last in the league on in perimeter defense. Now, yeah. granted he's a big, so you want him on the interior, but he has the same issue that I feel like Victor Wembanyama is going to have due to his sheer size. Uh, uh, he has a high, uh, point uh, center of gravity point so it'll be easy for him to get knocked off his spots on defense and you can back him down so even though he has length and he can block some shots you know again you take a look at last season he ended he had a, what 85 total blocks for 1.2 per game so he he can block some shots due to his sheer length but he is somebody who will get bullied on the interior because of his size and like that's something that Victor Wembanyama is going to go through over, through his first couple seasons in the league He's going to make some amazing defensive plays, as is Bol Bol, and he's going to get owned a lot because of his, you know, lack of girth, if you will. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's built exactly like his dad. You know, it, it, it's weird. It's like photocopy. But uh, again, like I see the upside in him, and uh, if he's willing to put in the work, and I don't know if his metabolism will take putting on any muscle, but uh, like I. I, I get he's like a liability on defense and stuff, but we're talking like the 15th guy like on our bench Agreed. for for right now. So I'm not tripping. He's going to learn from some of the greats in today's game right now. Obviously, it didn't work in Denver because they just didn't have the time and development for him. And then with Orlando, like you said, they're bringing in like all these different sort of cats. And if I have Wendell Carter and uh, Bobo, I'm playing Wendell Carter like, Hell every, yeah. every, every fucking game. So, uh, yeah, like with Bull, I feel like he just hasn't been given a fair shake. Maybe this is his opportunity to pick up a couple things just so he can be a rotational player down the line. Probably not with for this team, but uh, just in general. Now, I like what you said, and I think it's very important for Suns fans to hear what Jay, Jay said and understand that. We're talking about the 15th guy. This is he's He's a 13th, 14th, 15th guy on the team. So, in that role, absolutely. I, it doesn't hurt me, and, and you said it earlier, and I agree. He's a low-risk, high-reward type of player. So, of course, you take a gamble on him. He has talent. We've seen the talent in his time at Oregon and his time in Denver and his time in Orlando. He has talent. He's had, obviously, issues staying healthy, and he has some very serious limitations as a player. But as long as you understand and accept who he is, your 13th, 14th, or 15th best guy, then you can be excited for him. It's when, again, they start to put him up there like he's going to be a regular rotation player that I just want to be like, hey, everybody, pump the brakes a little bit. Like, yeah, he's he's a, a solid pickup for the back end of your bench, but to think that he's going to be an effective rotation player on a team that's built like the Suns have built, uh, I'd be worried for us. If he's the guy who's coming in he's getting – you know, 20 minutes a game, it's like, okay, who's injured? I just don't think that he is at that phase of his career yet where he has 
built up the the stamina and the, and the physical girth again, you know, to to hold his own on a consistent basis. And I'm not saying that it won't develop. He he's a young cat, you know. He's going to be what? I think he's 23 years old, so he's yeah. going to be entering his prime soon. So again, low risk, high reward. I'm okay with it. I will not be buying the jersey. <laughs> that'll be, be a funny jersey though i'm, I'm not gonna it, lie just, you just have to get one that's like super long so it's like looks like you're in a pajama i mean you're tall how tall are you right. you're like six three six two oh man i appreciate the compliment uh i'm like uh, between six one six two something yeah because like you're i'm six foot and you i remember when i met you you're like you eh, jay's a little taller than me so yeah. we'll have to buy the super <laughs> extra long ones that goes down to our knee and we're like this is the abobo authentic jersey because he's fucking <laughs> seven foot two game worn <laughs> yeah game worn we got to get one of those game worn bull bull jerseys uh, you like what I titled this segment, the Bull Bull Soul Patrol. The, I didn't catch that. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> that's going to be the fun thing, <laughs> thing with Bull Bull is coming up with nicknames. And like, I like the drop that I made for him, but I definitely think it'll change because we're going to find nicknames. I mean, Bull Bull backwards is Lob Lob. I mean, <laughs> a Lob Lob to Bull Bull. Like, I can't wait. Like, that's going to be the fun thing, but that's not going to be the yeah. primary things. Those are those are the secondary and tertiary things as a fan that. I, you identify with the team and you love, and that's what's going to happen with Bull Bull. I understand that, uh, you know, that from a casual pa- fan's perspective, they will adore this guy because he's he, when he comes in the game. Like I said, it's just strange and different and weird, and you're just like, "Wow, look this that that that, that guy's massive!" And oh, he dunked you know once on the fourth team uh, center for the Washington Wizards. So. Again, we'll we'll see how it goes with Bobo, but welcome to Phoenix, Mr. Bobo. Now, in the same breath, we say goodbye to one Cameron Payne. Here comes the Payne! One of the last times we'll be playing it on the podcast, Cameron Payne is now a San Antonio Spur, Jay. He was traded yesterday, which, uh, again, another thing that there were a lot of uh, cookie crumbs laid out to let us know that he most likely wasn't going to be on this team, even. But nobody told Frank Vogel that because uh, Frank Vogel's been talking about how he, great campaign is and he's going to potentially be a starter in this offense. And they're like, "We traded him." And he's like, "What? Oh shit!" Uh, but we <laughs> trade him to the San Antonio Spurs with cash and a future second round pick, and we received a future protected second round pick. So I'll ask you this question first. What are your thoughts just overall on the Suns trading Cameron Payne to the San Antonio Spurs? I mean, it hurts. I mean, he's part of the original, you know, the original crew that made it like out the bubble and started Mm -hmm. that whole finals run. We're down to two now. And campaign, like I uh, tweeted when uh, the, the news first dropped, he was a big piece in the foundation that we created with the culture and everything that we established in the last couple of years, yeah, his injury uh, history wasn't the best, but campaign brought it just about every night. He did whatever he could, whatever he was asking. There was one point we were having serious conversations about him taking the mantle from Chris Paul yes. low down the line. So if he wasn't as injured as he was, we might be having a different conversation right now. But campaign, he was playing in China. We took him on a limb and he delivered, and I appreciate every single game that he played for us. And I'll never forget that Clippers game when he dropped like, well, like 29 or some shit. Uh-huh. So yeah. So shout out to campaign, man. If you ever uh, see this camp, uh, we love you here. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of campaign because he's part of the, the sons that turned it all around for us. Right. You know, the same thing kind of happened when Ricky Rubio was traded, when Kelly yeah. Oubre was traded, Dario Saric, when we traded him last year, a piece of you goes with those players because you appreciate who and what they meant to this franchise because they were a major part of turning us around from a dumpster fire into a team that ended up in the NBA finals. And Cameron Payne's a guy who came in, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Kelly Oubre and Aaron Baines didn't want to play in the bubble. So we needed to fill out the roster. So they brought in Cameron Payne, who, you know, as the story goes, was sitting in his pool and got a call from Monty Williams and lost his mind because he had an opportunity to go to the Orlando bubble and play with the Phoenix Suns. He came out, he was part of that eight and no bubble run it was him and Javon Carter coming off the bench and playing just like mad dogs on defense and just pestering people and then obviously the next season he was part of the team that went to the NBA finals he had an amazing playoff run as you mentioned when Chris Paul was out for two games with COVID it was Cameron Payne who stepped in and stepped up for this team 
since that finals run, a couple seasons that were very injury prone, and a lot of those injuries were lower extremity injuries, which is a challenge for anyone whose nickname is Turbo. So having the ability to have burst and be shifty and do those things that he needs to do to to uh, fine tune and to uh, you know just utilize his skill set in a manner that helps the team went out the door. Now that being said, even last season he 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 had he had a decent season for this team. Yeah, I, I was yeah. very anti campaign at the beginning last summer just because I just thought you know hey this is a guy for all the reasons I, I just mentioned. We took a chance on him, and maybe he's already he peaked, right? He, he's hit his peak. And then Chris Paul was injured, and Devin Booker was injured. I mean, between those two players, Chris Paul and Devin Booker only played 39 games together last season. So Cameron Payne was called upon quite a bunch, and he averaged, as a starter, 7.1 assists. And that's when, as you mentioned, Jay, we started those conversations. It's like, well, you know, Chris Paul's getting a little dinged up. Could campaign be the point guard of, this, of the future? And some people thought it was a facetious comment, and other people were seriously – contemplating it uh but the last two postseasons didn't really show up uh is a little too emotional as a player you know he, he plays very high but when he when he starts to hit his lows he's you know the, the lows occur and good bad or indifferent i don't know if he necessarily made sense for this team what do you think about the transaction overall i mean the, the fact that we gave up a second round pick and cash and we got back a protected second round pick what a, what a weird thing to get uh, yeah, I don't uh, understand the logistics of all of it. Is there a limit to like swaps? Can you just keep on swapping? I, I the, the Suns have like sixteen swaps on one pick. They're yeah, like... yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, hey, do it with like all twenty nine other teams. Like, I, I'm trying to pick <laughs> uh, pick that up. But the transaction, of course, I would have liked a player back. But mm-hmm. with campaign, with his injury history and his last two, you know, seasons were entirely the best. Uh, you you take what you can get, and uh, this this sort of means that the Suns are pretty high on Jordan Goodwin, and yeah. what we have in the point guard sort of uh, you know class that we have right now, or they have their eyes on something else down the line because we have the two trade exceptions that we're, we're going to be talking about a little later. But mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, but you know you keep the doors open for uh, possible moves, but uh, you take what you can get. The job capital, I'm cool with that. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So I got a little game for us to play, okay? You know what time it is. Trivia time. All right, a little trivia time for you, okay? Look career. I'm going to ask you over or under, and I'm going to give you a metric. And I want you to tell me if campaign in his career as a Phoenix Sun was over or under that metric. And if you're watching along live, you can play along too. And hit the thumbs up button while you're here. So the first one is 20 minutes played per game as a member of the Phoenix Suns. Over or under for Cameron? Uh, I want to say slightly over. You are correct. 20.2 minutes. Just averaged over 20 (laughs) minutes a game as a member of the Phoenix Suns in three seasons. 10 points per game over or under in his career as a son. Uh, over. Under 9.8 points per game. Yes. God, it seems like he did more than that. Four assists per game, over or under? Uh, uh, What was the number? Four assists per game. I'm going to go over on this one. You are correct. Over 4.2. Yeah. So in his in his career as a son, he averaged 20.2 minutes per game, 9.8 points per game, and 4.2 assists per game. What about this one? 1.5 turnovers per game. Oh, that's definitely over, right? It's actually exactly that's exactly what he averaged, 1.5. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it's what it felt like though, right? You know, so yeah. you go 4.2 divided by 1.5 is his assist to turnover ratio was 2.8, and that's not bad. You know, for all of those people who are very, you know, oh, he turns the ball in his career as a son. 
Not that bad. And then last question, 37% from beyond the arc, over or under? Oh, shit. So I know on catch and shoot, he was like 39 or something. Um, No, I'm picking over. Might as well go over again. You're correct. 38.4%. (laughs) <laughs> now i see why you're on the he's on fire podcast because you were on fire with those questions <laughs> i don't yeah. have to drop <laughs> no i don't either i was like where's well evan play the he's on he's on fire he's heating up <laughs> uh, but yeah 38.4 percent from beyond the arc so if you look at the metrics clearly uh and and only pain wasn't as bad as probably a lot of people thought right now the eye test says otherwise we know who he is. We know what he is. Uh, I think my only challenge is the fact that his absence is, is the unknown right now. Right. Because as you mentioned, Jordan Goodwin uh, is expected to get plenty of playing time with this team. Saban Lee is there. You have Damian Lee uh, and you also have Eric Gordon and th- that's your guard rotation. Do you feel that that guard rotation right there, right, with uh, Gordon, Goodwin, Lee, and Lee is enough guard depth for this team? Um, as of right now, of course, I would like I would like one additional piece. I think it's okay right now. I think we can get through it just because we know what Book can do. We know what Beal can do. And then you add those other guys that you mentioned, I think we're pretty solid. I like what Saban Lee brings, mm-hmm. um, him being in you know, the, the third string sort of element. If he just learns like how to finish more consistently, like he's going to be like a pretty nice piece to have. Uh, Damian Lee, you know, he can bring the ball up the floor. He's not really going to do much. If, like as long as he hits his threes, I mean, he's cool. But with Jordan Goodwin, there actually isn't a lot of film on YouTube about him. So No, not but really. Every- but everything that I've seen from Jordan Goodwin, I think he's a solid, uh, like a solid dude. I think uh, his IQ is there. I don't think he's going to be ter- turning over the ball a lot, and he's going to push the pace. And I've been saying for years the Suns play better when uh, when we push the uh, push the pace and stuff. So well, that's I, I really, why I'm so I'm excited really, for next season because it, yeah, we, we we're a team that's going to play with pace in the modern NBA. We're going to have guys with that create such gravity that we're going to have some wide open catch and shoot players. We brought in some players who are going to excel at that. Uh, and you kept a player in Damian Lee who's definitely going to excel at that. And that's yeah. what's going to be exciting about this team is for for the most part, the Phoenix Suns have – they've been an archaic team. And I guess that that brings me to my next uh, point here, and that's the Point Beal situation, the deal with Point Beal. Sham Sharania tweeted out yesterday that – uh, Bradley Beal is going to be get the majority of the reps at the point guard position, um, and that you know essentially means that the Suns have committed to the point Beal point book modus operandi with those backup guards, uh, as stated. And I think that it's about time that they did this. You know, I wrote a piece that was published on Bright Side of the Sun today talking about how you know what it's it's about time that the Suns embrace the modern NBA and James Jones is finally doing that. And, and it makes sense as to why they didn't in the past. They had Chris Paul. They had one of the old, the oldest old school point guard you had, uh, who's unbelievably cerebral, but at the same time, due to his style of play, it negated some of the effectiveness overall of the offense because it took so long for the offense to get in into, uh, you know, for, for those who are the DA apologists and the DA stands, I really think that they're going to enjoy this season because it's going to be a lot more free-flowing offense, and DA is going to benefit from that. Because in the past, if you'd watch it, it would literally be Chris Paul running high screens and rolls with DA. He'd run a high screen, and then DA would DA would drop, you know, on the roll, and Chris Paul wouldn't get the ball to him. He he he'd back out. He'd pass it across the court. They pass it back to Chris Paul. DA's running out there to set a screen. Oh no, I got to run over here and set, like DA would set like five screens in one possession and not get the ball, touch the ball once. And then right. Chris Paul would just like get to the mid range, shoot a 15 footer. And, you know, if it went in great, but if not, like DA is just running around on offense with no reward in sight. Whereas now with the pace that this team's designed to play with the fact that you have Bradley Beal and Devin Booker running the playmaking uh, point of view, it's, it's much akin to how a lot of teams have been executing their offenses for quite some time now. Right. Right, yeah, exactly what you said, man. It's like that tradition. Like I'm a sucker for traditional point guards. I, it's just a beautiful flowing game, but 
like playing like that just regresses three point shooting. You take least uh, the most uh, least efficient shots, which is the mid jumper, and yep. then. Well, I feel from a big man perspective uh, in DeAndre Aiden's uh, shoes where you set that pick, you set four or five, the shot clock is already down to like less than 10. And like you already did the role and now you're just like boxing out, just sort of just standing there, like just waiting for something to happen. And you're just uh, get caught ball watching and stuff. It just wasn't like it worked the first like two seasons. It was very effective because Mm -hmm. our pick and roll was really good. But when Chris started regressing more and more, like the offense made no sense and Monty didn't adjust to that. So, uh, but with this Beal dominant, uh, book dominant sort of guard flipping uh, between the point guard and shooting guard position, the not only the pace is going to pick up, but the shots are going to be flying and it's going to be going in at a high clip. So I, I really can't uh, wait for that. And with DeAndre Aiden, he can just go down there, like fucking pound down there and like get on the rock and get a quick uh, uh, inlet pass in. And you know, mm-hmm. and then and then you're back um, playing defense. So if if we can get sort of the seven seven seconds or less sort of flow going, it doesn't exactly need to be that. I think we're cooking with grease there. I completely agree, and I think that what's going to excite DeAndre is not only is he going to have the ability to be coached and and uh, relied upon on defense and rewarded for his efforts with positive reinforcement by his coaching staff instead of being neglected. But I also think that he's going to be rewarded on offense for his hustle because of the the way that the the defense is going to have to try to account for Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. Like it's right, freaking yeah. unbelievable. Now, obviously, the other side of this and the biggest concern with a lot of people and Salty is gaming. Shout out to Salty in the in the chat. He goes, "Has Beal Beal ever played point guard?" Right. So that's the big thing that everybody's worried about. They're like, "Well, if they have, you know, if he hasn't played point guard, we know Book has, but if he if he hasn't played point guard." we're kind of worried about that. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to bring up some t- statistics and this is Bradley Ooh, Beal's nice. playmaking statistics last season. And if you look at the very bottom metric and this is all from basketball index, they do an amazing job of putting together some very extensive uh, advanced statistics and his playmaking talent overall uh, is 96%. It's an A plus. So he's in the 96 percentile. His scoring gravity obviously is hundred percent a plus. Uh, when you look at passing efficiency, that's where he struggles according to this and but essentially the passing efficiency it's hard to get assists off guys who aren't making shots and he was playing on a team with a lot of guys who weren't making shots and the other you know way to answer that question that salty just proposed is if you look on basketball reference it'll actually show you the play-by-play uh you know to to the best of their ability uh by position and if you look last season bradley beal played the point guard present uh, uh, position 10% of the time. And the season yeah. before that, he played 16% of the time. So that's not to say that he hasn't played uh, a ton of point guard. He really hasn't, but he has played in the past. So I think that it's something that the, the Suns are definitely going to uh, excel at because you, you throw in the KD factor. Right, you throw in the factor that there's other players. Eric Gordon's going to come in, and when we start to mix and match our lineups, you're going to have just playmakers. Now they're not traditional point guards, and, and I'm with you, Jay. I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, man. Yeah. We're used to having point guards, elite point guards in this city: Kevin Johnson, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, yeah. Stephon Marbury, Chris yeah. Paul. You know, even Ricky Rubio for that one year. It's just you go on down the line, and that's what we're used to. But if you go and you look at the past few years, and I've made this point multiple times throughout the summer, the past champions haven't had a traditional point guard. Yeah. Go back. Who who was the point guard on the on the Jordan teams? You know, fucking BJ. Yeah, BJ Armstrong, <laughs> the first go round with a little John Kerr. Paxson and some Kerr, the second go round. Yeah, that yeah. elite Hall of Famer because of his point guard play, Steve Kerr. Look at the LeBron years. Look at look look at the Kobe year. Like. We don't need that that traditional point guard, the John Stocktons. Yeah, he didn't win a ring. Steve Nash didn't win a ring. Chris Paul hasn't won a ring. There's a trend here, folks. It's going to be okay. We're going to be okay, right? It's worth a try, man. Um, I mean, like, just go and just to the previous cha- uh, like you know, champions in the last few years. Um, I'm uh, Jamal Murray. He's more of a shooting guard than anything. Yep. They just threw him in the point guard position. Steph Curry. A lot of people put him in the point guard category. 
But if you talk to anybody that watches a lot of hoops, they sort of put him in the shooting guard category. He's just plays point guard. Drew Holiday, not your traditional point guard. He's a point of attack defender. And, and like the list goes on and on. And mm-hmm. even Alex Alex Caruso, Catavius Paldwell Pope was the who plays played the primary point guard yeah. when they won in yeah. the bubble. Yeah, exactly. So like like you don't need a traditional point guard, but I absolutely love traditional point guards. It just doesn't work in today's NBA right now. And to have a versatile guy like Bradley Beal, that we now we get to jump up our point production from that point guard position. Mm-hmm. But uh, the defensive liability thing is so annoying. By the way, I hate that uh, sort of take that's going around right now. Bradley yeah. Beal will play defense a lot better than uh, Chris Paul, and he won't be a liability at that end either. So um, like that that point guard position with Beal is going to be great. The the whole passing metric starts with that first pass. And that first pass is either going to be to Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. <laughs> and and I those numbers are going to be jumping up. So I don't give a fuck about your numbers. And, and, and Take the that gravity, for data, John. Yeah, there, there's a data right there. <laughs> I'm okay with that, okay, because I agree. And on both sides of the ball, I completely agree. You have somebody who is athletic, uh, and you have somebody who is going to draw gravity himself that's going to provide opportunities for his teammates like he has never seen before. Uh, it's, you know, why, why do you think Kyle Kuzma was so good last year? Because a lot of gravity was towards Bradley Beal. Right. You know, Bradley, I mean, it's just what season. it is. Yeah. 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 And it's playing next to Beal. So, you know, obviously it doesn't sound like either of us are concerned with this strategy. Do you still think there's a move to be made at the guard position for Phoenix? Um, I think it's definitely out there. Uh, I'll take what Matt said on uh, 98.7. Uh, right. Like, <laughs> like uh, he, he thinks that the roster is good as it is, which I, I agreed. But if the move, if there's a move out there to get like not TJ McConnell, but like s- somewhere in that range, I would put maybe TJ on um, like what, like top 130 or something and campaign on 175. If we can get somebody like in between there or something in the guard position, I think that would be a nice. A little addition, and then we can shut up the people like Richard Jefferson saying, "Like, oh, they don't have a point guard; it, it ain't going to work." You know? So. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that that's the chink in our armor right there. Is the fact that we don't have a point guard. No, I I agree. I think there's a move out there, and I think it's a trade deadline move. Yeah, I think I, I think it's a you know us using our uh, our TPE uh, in an effort to try to get somebody. I think that there's somebody who's going to be bought out, and we'll have the ability to go get that person for you know six million dollars. And they'll fulfill a need uh, of this team, and it'll be at the guard position. Because the one thing that scares me, the one thing that throws obviously the monkey wrench in all this, is injuries. And you know, Devin Booker, Bradley Bill both have an in, uh, a history of injuries. And knowing that we have Eric Gordon, we all knew when we got Eric Gordon, campaign was on the way out the door. I mean, yeah, that, so that that was like it. That. You know, it's like, oh, we just upgraded the shit out of campaign. Um, so. And, and knowing that we have Damian Lee and knowing we have Saban Lee and knowing that we have uh, Jordan Goodwin, we have some depth there. It's unproven depth, in my opinion, at this point. And that's obviously the one. If you were to ask me my one concern about the, this this Phoenix Suns team as it is, it's not Bowl Bowl. It's not our wing depth. It's not our shooting. It's, it's our guard depth because we have guards who have a, a history of being injured. Uh, and we have and and we're going to be leaning into them, right? They're both going to be, you know, quote unquote playmakers or point guards in this new system. Uh, so if Frank Vogel's astute enough and he has the ability to to uh, take his lineups and feather them, you know, in, in ensuring that Jordan Goodwin gets plenty of playing time and Eric Gordon gets plenty of playing time, and we can uh, survive those midseason injuries, it's going to be something that. If they want to just bolster that lineup going to the playoffs, you go out there, you get the guy. You know, maybe maybe TJ McConnell gets bought out by Indy because they don't want to pay his nine million next year, and we can go and we get him. You know, for the rest of the season. So I think that that's the last move that needs to be made. I I totally agree. Yeah, Uh, but not buy out, but yeah, trade deadline move that'll probably be our final move, final nail in the coffin uh, going forward. But I think as of right now, I think we're, I think we're good. And I just want to get the ball rolling and I wish I know, me the season too. started next week. Me yeah. too. It sucks. It's like, a, yeah. it's a, it's a summer away right now because I've never looked at a lineup from the suns and just, at, I don't know if I've ever been this excited. Yeah. I mean, I've been excited. Don't get me wrong. A couple seasons ago, after we went to the finals, I was excited for that team the next year. Uh, coming into this season, I wasn't nearly as excited because I saw the gaps. Chris Paul was getting older, yada, yada. 
Uh, I remember the 94 team. Obviously, I'm older than you, but the 94 team after we lost to Jordan, that 94 team, we got better, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, dude, this is this team's going to be amazing. Obviously, injuries, injuries uh, and the fucking Rockets killed us in that one. But this is a, like I'm with you. I just I absolutely, absolutely can't wait. Now, there's my dog barking. Uh, <laughs> next thing I want to talk about real quick is, as as you mentioned earlier, the fact that we traded with the Orlando Magic and we acquired three future second round picks in exchange for a future first round pick swap, which I believe is 2026 is when that like there's like six pick swaps, as you mentioned. So it's like we get the worst of the worst of the worst pick swap. Uh, what do you think about that? We got three second round picks. We gave up a first round pick swap uh, in a deal with Orlando. Um, I like the job compensation, and I think Orlando is a lot closer to being a really good team in uh, the East. Like uh, they have a lot of good uh, pieces. A lot of people were criticizing that Black uh, pickup. Uh, I forget his uh, first name. Anthony Black. Uh, yeah, Anthony Black. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think he's a stud. I like he can shoot at all five points in the offense, and uh, they have Wendell Carter. They have Cole Anthony. Uh, they have the guard depth. They have the big guys. I think they're going to be uh, pretty good. So. Uh, the pick might suck a little later on, but hey, like if I'm a, a you know, a, put some money down, I, I would think Orlando is going to be sort of bad, you know, uh, by 2026. They might have a like a two year run or something. Uh, it might start now and, you know, and next year. And then we have that, you know, a little nice pick. But, you know, well, I think it's just a, a super smart move. Uh, yeah. Again, by James Jones, by giving us some more draft capital because you're going to need some of those picks to sweeten a deal. And that was my one worry was we've given away the majority of our pick swaps. And then we gave away all of our second round picks. So what are we going to do to entice future trades outside of the new draft picks that will become available at the end of next season? And I think it's, it was just another good, smart basketball move. You know, the campaign thing, I think that was a good part, smart basketball move too. I forget who put it out. It might've been uh, Keith Smith uh, who does all the spot Mm -hmm. track stuff. And he talked about trading Cameron Payne, ultimately saved the Suns like $27 million because of know, the tax right? apron. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, he's a $6.5 million contract, but due to the fact that you were in the second tax apron, it ends up being like $27 million you saved. Yeah, we get a protected second-round pick, which means we'll never see that pick, and that's okay. That's not what the purpose of that was. But then, almost simultaneously, they trade a first-round pick swap for three second-round picks because two things are going to happen there. One, that pick swap ultimately doesn't matter. You, you expect yourself to be good. So you're like, okay, so the 30th pick, the 27th pick, like people who are who are concerned about the fact that we don't have first round picks for the foreseeable future uh, think that being in the lottery is a good thing and having lottery picks is a good thing. It's not if you're it's trying not. to win, right? right? So if you can trade that for second round picks, and we've seen, I mean, second round picks have all of a sudden become like the newest, hottest trend. They're like Crocs. Like, and it's like acceptable, like it's acceptable to trade second round picks, right? Like Jay Crowder went for five second round picks. Like that's a lot of Crocs, man. And uh, how many second rounders were in the Rudy Gobert trade? Oh my God, dude. It yeah. was like 45, I think it was. It was, uh, it was one for each of Donovan Mitchell's jersey numbers. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I, I really didn't know about like the quantity of second round picks that each team has, but Hey, they like, they don't give a fuck. You know, it just, you know, it just swings to pot a little bit, you know? Yeah. And that's all it is. It's meant to be like, Hey, we're giving you this in case you want to sweeten the pot again at some point too. And, right. and like you said, with Orlando, with those, with those second round picks that we're going to receive, Orlando's a team that I don't know about you, but like, I'm excited. Like I love Paolo Bencaro. He is, yeah, he's a stud. He's he a stud. is. He, he's probably, of players who don't play for the Phoenix Suns, he's probably like my second or third favorite player in the NBA. Like Mikhail Bridges is number one. And I think like Paolo's number two. And obviously the only reason that Mikhail is number one is because he played here and I have a, an emotional connection to him. But like I love Paolo Bancaro. I think that he's going to be fantastic. He was a he was a great rookie. Any chance I could see him, I did. I drafted him onto my 2K team. I love him even more because he's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I just I love the guy. So I think that they they have some opportunity to be a better team. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to put it all together. And, and if they don't, the Suns benefit because we have their second round picks, which are not great things, but they're picks that you can utilize, as you mentioned, to sweeten the pot. So I think, again, James Jones just crushing it, man. Like to think I, I, I retweeted the other day. There was a poll that was put out on like May 12th, right after the Suns got eliminated. And people were like, should, J- should James Jones be fired? And like 36 percent of the people said yes. 
shame on all of you. Yeah. Like this guy, now that he doesn't have Robert Sarver handcuffing him to penny pinch every dime possible, mm-hmm. he's got a guy who's like, dude, make it happen. He's got to be the happiest GM in the entire league right now. He's just, just out there. the cart. Dude, he's yeah. like a gold dick and white. He's mm-hmm. just fucking. <laughs> he's got that Amex black card just going out everywhere. Just, I don't care. I'm going to make it happen. But he's also ra- made some really smart, astute decisions. So it's not only James Jones, but the people around him are good, smart basketball people. And that's what you like to see. And that's what I'm proud of. And then obviously you have Matt Ishbia, uh, the one who's been empowering him. And as I mentioned at the front end of the podcast, he is bringing the Suns back to three TV. Uh, he, he's bringing it to local. And I, and I loved what he said on Burns and Gamble because everyone's like, okay, well, I don't live locally uh, streaming. And, and they're, they talked about it. They're, they're going to have something in the works relative to streaming uh, to make it easier and most likely free for people as well. But for those who live locally, it now puts them in 2.8 million houses. And as he mentioned on Burns and Gamble, he's like, every hotel, every bar, they get the Suns game now, like guaranteed, because it's on local TV. And it's such a huge win. And it's and what the most important thing to me when it comes to that deal is, is he's a man of his word. Because yeah. he said, I'm all about the fan experience. He's like, the, the two most important things, building a winner and making it the best fan experience in, in the NBA. And by opening up those avenues, there's kids, you know, who don't have cable or don't have the ability to watch Suns games because of blackouts. And now they can see the Suns and they can grow up to be just as miserable as we are. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, like this is such a, a W, man. And yeah, like that, like everything he says, like might as well put it like in a hardcover Bible, you know, it's <laughs> the word of God at this point. Like, what Matt is doing for Phoenix and just the state of Arizona in general is absolutely amazing. He needs to buy the Cardinals. He needs to buy the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. <laughs> yeah. Like even the Rattlers, fuck it, you know? So, um, <laughs> like w- what he's doing is absolutely incredible. And I can't, I, I literally can't wait. Fuck Valley sports. I can't wait to mm-hmm. ha- have the app and, throw it up on and hear Eddie Johnson talking shit and, you know, hearing that whole breakdown. And so I, I, I can't wait for that. And then we're going to talk about the other stuff he's been doing, but uh, yeah, shout out, man, dude. Yeah. It's just, again, it's, it's the fan experience being a Phoenix Suns fan. It's like, it, we're the best thing in town right now. We are mm-hmm. because the Dimebacks are starting to suck ass a little bit. And, you know, the Cardinals are going to be really bad this year. Man. <laughs> uh, go Dodgers. Another thing that HBS said, <laughs> on the Burns and Gambo show is something that I think a lot of us uh, we've been waiting to hear. It doesn't truly matter, but it does matter. Let me bring up that. With the new ownership to have a G League team, is there any update at all on that? That that won't be something you'll be talking about in a week or two. How about that? I can promise you <laughs> yeah. that. So it, that's all I'll say is that, you know, we believe in developing young players. We don't have a G League team. We don't plan on that happening long term and in the very near future hopefully we'll be able to officially announce a different strategy on that but we believe in uh, right now you have the three two-way players so we have some benefits already but just not the g league team ourselves um and and that's something that we plan on changing and i've talked about that before but it's not done yet but we do plan on that and hopefully you won't be asking that question much longer because (laughs) we're going to continue to invest in our team invest in our future and a g league team is important with the new ownership to have a g league team is there any Uh, update at all okay we don't need to hear hear it once. It's 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 a uh, gambo, so you got to play everything three times because that's what he does. He says everything three times. <laughs> three different ways. So, what are your thoughts on a G League team? And then, what are your thoughts on the fact that he is bringing a G League team? Man, you dropping audios now in the podcast? I, I, that's huge, dude. That's what huge. What I, I do, dog. <laughs> I figured uh, out uh, how. I uh, yeah. Uh, tell me how to do that later because I I need to do that, but. Uh, what the G League team is what we've been asking for uh, since they got rid of the NAU team. And uh, I think uh, the plan is to put them in Tucson, which makes a, a, like a little more sense. Uh, it was Prescott where they played before. The Northern Arizona Suns yeah. played in Prescott, which is like interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, good weather. I mean, I might as well. But uh, no, like every team in Portland just announced that their G League team that uh, you needed that development and you, like – if we we're going through those injuries last year, it would have been nice to call up a few guys to, that, that have been, you know, uh, fresh 
and have been playing in you know games at the same time as we were and stuff uh, like this is going to be um, really nice for us and uh, yeah i like the g league too uh, like I, again another mad dub you know you you need a job for that another mad dub you know? <laughs> that's a good idea yeah i uh, you know when you when you talk about the g league overall you know some people are just like you know what it's no big deal and the way that i look at it is technically you're right it isn't uh, but at the same time, you want every competitive advantage you have in an effort to try to generate talent and and uh, put your team in a in a situation in which people want to come to your organization. We are the only team left that doesn't have a G League. Look at the Miami Heat. Okay, now they're clearly the exception versus the rule, but right. they had what eight undrafted players, and seven of them had played in the G League as an opportunity to develop. We take a look at what this roster is right now. You have people like Tumani Kamara, who instead of having him just be like, okay, come here, play on a two-way, you're going to get 10 minutes a night, and you're going to play in a third of the games. Send him to a place where he can play consistently, and you can develop your organizational culture from the G League on up. Now, I know that that's possible. We could send players down and they could play for other G League teams, but we didn't do that. We need to have a roster, as you mentioned, of guys ready to go that are part of this culture who we can bring up and can get those reps in. Tamani Kamara is a, is phenomenal. Of course, the one time we don't do a post-game podcast, he goes for 20 and fucking 10, you know, and I'm just like, oh, of course, you know, and I think that it'd be great to have him playing down uh, in Tucson if that's where they're going to end up uh, and get consistent minutes for a time. And then when the time's right, you can bring him up and you feel a little bit more comfortable about the skill set that he can have. I just, ultimately, I look at it like this. It's either, I'd rather have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. Exactly. And we've, and we've needed it and we haven't had it over the past couple of years. And I like that Matt Ishbia talked about the fact that he wants to be in development. And that is a stark contrast to what James Jones has shown us that he believes in. He's he's a guy who's going to build a team with proven guys uh, Tamani Kamara even be one of those. He's a four-year starter in college, you know, at two different universities. So that's what he wants to focus on. But still, this is Matt Ishba even saying, like, listen, we want to invest in development. And again, you talk about fan experience. Put that team down in Tucson. There's a massive population down there. They can go down there just like farm systems throughout all of Major League Baseball. And you right. develop your fan base from a farm system and it fortifies uh ultimately who you are and it benefits the fan experience and your team again why not and uh I, i'm gonna bring up one of your favorite players in the last couple of years uh jordan pool um oh, like, <laughs> like cheating up <laughs> so like the warriors for years they have like they did not touch their g league team for mm-hmm. for years but they had players in development stuff and eventually they called up Jordan Poole and he ended up being a pivotal piece in their uh, most recent championship against Mm -hmm. the Celtics. And of course he's not on the team anymore because you know, he's Jordan Poole, but he's very punchable. Yeah. He's very punchable. Right. And uh, I mean, it happened. So, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, just like incidents like that and what Miami does and, uh, I'll I'll even throw the Knicks up there because the Knicks have called up a few guys and they've uh, put up good numbers. It, it's important and like you said, it's you rather have it than need it later than you know however yeah. you phrase it. I've never been good with that phrase, but I uh, no, have it not needed. Exactly need it not have it. Exactly, you spit it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's another win for Matt Ishbia, and again, another reason to be excited for this team, and another reason that we're all pissed off that we have to wait two months before training camp starts before we can even start to get excited again. So, you know, again, I think, but I think that the state of the franchise uh, is in a great place, and I think that the moves that have been made make sense, and that's something that I appreciate because there's been moves made in the past that just didn't make sense. And that goes back to drafting sticks. That goes back, you know, year after year of just what the fuck are we doing with Ryan McDonough? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of a thing of the past right now. Now, ultimately, the only thing that matters is uh, a championship. We're on the right track. And that's the conversation that you want to be mentioned in. But I'll ask you this question. It's a question I'm going to ask everybody who comes on the podcast throughout the entire summer. Way too early predictions. What's the Phoenix Suns record? At the end of the year, you're going on record right now 
on June or uh, July 17th. Uh, what was our record uh, that we just ended with? 45 and 45. something or other something and 37 like 35 37 yeah, yeah. Like i i can see this team being 55 plus and i think i'm a roll with 55 i think that's a, a good number to pick for right now okay okay yeah. you're, you're going with the uh who was number 55 was it was trey jameson wearing number 55 over there in summer league I think he was. Yeah. yeah, there you go. You're going with the Trey Jameson. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here, Eric Gordon is going to wear number 23, Air Gordon. It's official. Uh, RIP Cam Johnson. I mean, I just know. like that, 23 is taken. What do you think about that? I mean, he wore number 10 pretty much his whole career, but Damian Lee's got that. Do you think that he asked Damian Lee to wear it and Damian Lee told him to get fucked? Uh, I don't think Aaron Gordon like is like a guy that asks for a lot of things. You know, I just don't get that feeling. Uh, the twenty three is a little weird on him. I would have preferred like a number like um, like if Bill Russell didn't die. Like six would would have been like a good number for him. Or yeah, yeah, or like four. It's just, it's just something like that, you know. But. Um, because I like guards having guard numbers. It's kind of like in the NFL, like when you see like a QB with like like 37, you're like, what the fuck is this? You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you prefer like one through like 20, like max. So uh, oh, 23, cool. And I, it looks nice on the statement jersey. And we got we have Aaron Gordon. And it's not a cardboard cutout. So we know it's real. Well, just so everyone knows, like when he played college ball at Indiana, he did wear number 23. So he's going back to his college roots. So, and I do think, agreed, it, it looks great on a jersey, obviously. I mean, I, I'm a huge Jordan fan. He's the goat, and it lo- that looks just looks so good. So, you know, it sucks because it's Cam Johnson, but it's just kind of that time to move on, guys. Time yeah. to move on. It's it's the past, and we got to let it go. So, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Oh, uh, one thing that I did uh, think about today was like, what's like the status with like T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross because they haven't been picked up yet, and I wonder if. We possibly put these guys on a two-way. I don't know. Probably not. But nah, probably not. I think that's what I was actually thinking when I was thinking about guard depth. If we need to let another guard, like give me Terrence Ross, and I just feel a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I think it's a huge win. And then like wave Ish Wainwright. Like I would take yeah. Terrence Ross over Ish Wainwright in a second. But I, I was wondering the same thing myself. There's a lot of guys that were on this team that don't have teams anymore. It just kind of goes to show you. Remember that Terrence Ross was somebody who was bought out by Orlando and, you know, he had an opportunity to decide they waived him, uh, and he decided to come here instead of Dallas. TJ Warren was a throw in the Kevin Durant trade and didn't get, obviously get a chance. And it's just kind of crazy how TJ Warren, who we once thought was the backbone of our franchise. It was him and Booker. Like can't even get a minimum somewhere. It's kind of right. crazy, huh? Yeah. Like uh, the only reason why I thought of it today is like, I was going through like Twitter and I, I just let, ended up of uh, being on my following list and there Terrence Ross came up and he still has Phoenix Suns guard. And I'm like, Oh, and one of the biggest <laughs> blunders of Monty Williams fucking tenure here is how he treated Terrence Ross. And I thought Ross was a perfect signing. Then too. And still is now. And, and Matt, if you're, if you're listening, please bring back Terrence Ross. And yeah. please. <laughs> hey, Ishbia, we want more, one more win. Get rid one of Ishwin, right? Bring us Terrence Ross, okay? I'm just saying. One more dope. You know, because one guy can hit corner threes, and the other guy used to play football. I don't know if Matt Ishbia knew that, but he played football at Baylor. So I don't know if we <laughs> need that guy shoulders, on the team. Dude. He has broad shoulders. You know, like, I love you, Ish, but, like, I just don't love you on this team. You're probably the weakest spot I have out there. I have no, ex- I have zero excitement for him. As I go up and down the lineup, they're like, I'm excited to see, like, Chimetsi Metu. I want to see what he can bring. And, and obviously, Keta Bates Diop. I want to see, what, you know, how he fits in. And Drew Eubanks and even Bo Bowl, as we mentioned at the front end. But then it's like, and then there's, you know, our good old buddy with uh, one of the best drops here, Ish Wainwright. Ish going down. Ish. I'm yelling Wainwright. You better move. You better dunk. To get rid of him just so I can get rid of that drop because ain't nobody want to see that shit. So <laughs> on that note, thank you to all the jamsters who decided to join us, whether you're watching along live or later, or if you're listening to the podcast, we truly appreciate it. Take some time out of your day if you can. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a thumbs up on the YouTube feed. Leave a comment if you like. We always uh, interact with our fans that way. Again, Jay, let everyone know where they can find you and the amazing content that you and uh, Coach Evan B throw out there. 
Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at jjoyce, J-A-Triple-Y-Joyce. Uh, follow us at the He's on Fire podcast and uh, catch us there. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, go Suns. Amen. Appreciate you coming on. It's fun talking basketball with Appreciate you. Appreciate it. And yeah. uh, again, everybody, follow me at Darth Voida. Read my writing at Bright Side of the Sun. I have a nice piece coming out tomorrow morning talking about how everyone needs just to get the get over the fact that Isaiah Thomas is around the organization. Like, right. you, know, that's, yeah. you know, that's my thing. Just get over it, people. Like, I get it. He did. He was accused of something horrible. It brings up scars of something that this team has recently filled with, uh, dealt with. But he's paid his debt to society. Just move on. He's going to be around, and it's actually a good thing for Matt Ishbia to have a, somebody who has that much experience, just as long as he's not letting him make the decisions, because he made some pretty shitty ones with the Knicks when he was yeah. a general manager. So, uh, on that note, Jamsters, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and go home, and love your family. Credit Card Bill.